Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. Amen, amen. Grab your copy of God's Word. Go, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You know, mothers, without me saying this, you already know this, are so important. They are so special to us. God has surely blessed us in our mothers. And this morning, if, if you thank God for your mother or the mother of your children, say amen. Amen, 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 amen. amen. As I step into the pulpit today, let me just say, I understand that there are some emotional landmines that exist this morning, okay? Um, that aren't there like the normal 51 weeks, 51 Sundays out of the year. You see, let's be truthful, let's be transparent this morning. Mother's Day is not the happiest day for some people. In fact, um, it's a day that can sting many. Maybe their mother isn't or wasn't a very good mother, just to be honest, right? A, a Mother's Day reminds them of what they should have had but didn't. Or, or maybe their mother's already passed away, and so Mother's Day is a reminder that she's no longer with them. It's a reminder of what they had, but no longer have. They, they've lost that. And then there are women uh, in our midst here who wish to be mothers, but life choices have taken them down a different path that has prevented them from having children or being a mother, or, or maybe they've tried to be a mother, but so far they've been providentially hindered for some reason. They've tried to get pregnant, but it's just not happened yet. And then maybe they're even beginning to wonder, I mean, is this ever going to happen? Or maybe they got pregnant, only to find out somewhere along the way that they had miscarried. So Mother's Day can be difficult for women who don't have children. Then there are mothers who have given birth to beautiful babies, but somewhere along the way, maybe, maybe even after they were adults, after they had grown up, something happened to their son or daughter, and, and they passed away. So there are mothers here who have buried one of their children, maybe even their only child. Or maybe their son or daughter is still living, but the relationship is strained, maybe even estranged, such that it feels to them like they've lost a child. And so Mother's Day can be difficult for mothers who have lost children. So I step up here today realizing that there are emotional landmines all around us that I could step on, yet... Scripture calls us to walk forward. Scripture calls us to honor mothers. In fact, guys, it's etched in the stone tablets of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, 12 says, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land and that the Lord your God is, that, that the Lord your God is giving you. And then that same exact commandment, time and time again, is reiterated. It's reaffirmed all throughout the Bible, picked up in the New Testament. Ephesians 6, verse 2 and 3 says, Honor your father and mother. See if you've heard this before. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So I say to you this morning, church, motherhood should be esteemed. Motherhood should be celebrated. And I believe it should be celebrated not just individually in families, but in the assembly of God's people. You see, to be a mother is a blessing from God. Now, there are many other blessings from God that, uh, that other people enjoy, but motherhood is certainly one of those blessings. 
And so I say to you this morning, while Mother's Day may not be the happiest day for all women, causing us to be careful and to weep with those that, that, that weep, as Romans 12, 15 tells us to do, we still move forward on Mother's Day to honor mothers, right? That same scripture that calls you and me to weep with those who weep also calls us to rejoice with those who rejoice. Therefore, today is the day that we've set aside as a nation and as a church to celebrate mothers and to rejoice with mothers. And that's what we're going to do today here. We want to honor mothers. We want to thank God for mothers. We want to encourage mothers and we want to pray for mothers. And listen, many women, all women in fact, can be a blessing to children and impact children's lives. But mothers carry that load 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And so yeah, we thank God for all women. But today is the day that we've set aside to especially thank God for mothers. And so this morning, I want to invite every mother in our congregation to stand this morning. If you're a mom, stand. doesn't matter how old your child is. If you're a mother, stand this morning. Let's give them the honor that they're due this morning, man. <laughs> Praise God for you all. Praise God for you all. We thank the Lord for you. Be seated and let me pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for these moms. God, we pray that everyone in the room would receive what we just did with the spirit with which it was sent out, and that is to honor these women, regardless of the age of their children, for the hard work that they do in day in and day out. God, you have given them a stewardship. And we dads, we don't even halfway understand how they do it all, Lord. I'm just thankful, Father, for the video, just to give us a glimpse of what it might be like if we dads were to just get some mom goggles for just a few moments. But God, from the bottom of our hearts, Thank you for these mothers. We pray for these mothers. We pray against discouragement. Father, we pray against fear. God, we pray against a culture that says that motherhood is nothing special. In fact, motherhood is a drag, our culture would say. But Father, here at Eastwood Baptist Church, because your scripture tells us to, God, we esteem mothers and we thank you for mothers. Father, we rejoice today with all of these moms, and we ask God that you would bless our congregation and our families through them. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen. The title of this morning's message is Motherhood on Purpose. Motherhood on Purpose. Now listen, I understand that sometimes finding out that you're going to have a baby is a big surprise, right? Maybe you weren't trying to have a baby. In fact, maybe you were even trying to not have a baby. And so when you got that news that there was a baby growing inside of your womb, you were floored, right? Christy and I, we have five children, and two of them were surprises, okay? Two of them were surprises. With our first child, we've been married about two years, and we were open to having children someday, but not in 2005, Right? I was working on my master's degree at Southern Seminary, and we had just decided to move back from Louisville, back down here to the Bowling Green area. Christy had just quit her job at Norton Suburban Hospital, 
or actually it's Norton Downtown Hospital there in the ER, uh, and she carried our insurance, and she said, oh, I'm quitting, we're moving, we don't need that insurance anymore, so we dropped our insurance, and then like a week later, we get the news. Oh, we're going to have a baby, <laughs> right? No medical insurance, we don't exactly know where we're going to live when we move back down here to Bowling Green, because we'd already given up our lease on our apartment in Louisville, and soon we find out that pregnancy is considered a pre-existing condition when it comes to health insurance. And so for the first year or so, I called Zachariah our firstborn. I called him our Psalm 33 baby. Psalm 33 verse 10 says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. You see, we had plans. Right? We had plans. We were going to have a baby someday, but God said, Nah, how about now, right? He dropped a baby in on us. And our, not just our first child, but our fourth child was a surprise as well. Our daughter was only nine months old when we found out that number four was on the way. And listen, we praise God for our fourth child, man. We love him to death. It wouldn't change a thing now. But, again, to be transparent with you, when we got word in 2011 that we were going to have number four right after having number three, we both cried. We both <laughs> cried, right? Because in that moment, that news was overwhelming to us. So sometimes motherhood comes as a surprise. But I want, to I want every mother to hear me well this morning. Listen to this. This is really important. Whether you walked into motherhood on purpose or not, Every mother can walk forward through motherhood on purpose, with purpose. And this morning, I, I hope to give you some biblical insight to help you do just that, okay? But again, let's be honest. I, I just used the word walk. <laughs> I just said motherhood and connected it to the verb walk. And motherhood probably doesn't feel like walking to you, does it? Right? Mothers, does sometimes instead of walking, does motherhood more feel like a run? Do you say amen? <laughs> amen, right? I mean, you're running here, you're running there, you've got that minivan taxi rolling. I mean, you're, you're, you're dropping them off at school, you're going to get stuff over here, right? You've got things to do over there, and so you get all that done, you run back home, maybe you run to work in the middle of that, and then you run to get the kids, and then you go pick them up, and, and you go out to sports and music and all sorts of the club things that you're doing, and then some days it's the doctor and the dentist and all these other things. Sometimes it feels so much more like a run instead of a walk. And there are nights that you likely put your head on your pillow and you wonder, did I accomplish anything today other than just running around? You see, God wants motherhood to be on purpose. He wants you to run with purpose. So here's today's task. Here's today's task that I want you to think through with me and I want you to leave with is how do I run with purpose? How do I run with, par with purpose? The Apostle Paul, he has some very helpful words for you and for me this morning that will help you. Again, these words and principles are applicable to every person in this room, okay? Every person. If you will take this, what I'm about to teach you, these principles from this text, they will help you live a life on purpose. But today we're going to apply them particularly to mamas, particularly to mamas. So I'm going to ask you to stand again 
to honor the reading of the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. The Word of God says this. It says, do, not, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Let's pray. Father, we come to this morning asking you to help us to see your word, understand your word, and then apply your word to our lives. God, particularly we want to help mothers today, to encourage mothers. Thank you for them. It's in Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Go ahead and grab your seat. So how do I run with purpose? How do you, moms, run with purpose as a mama? First, if you're going to run with purpose, you have to run with the end in mind. Run with the end in mind. That's what Paul says here in verse 24. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it, right? You have to run with the finish line in mind. In other words, you need to ask yourself. Every mama in this room needs to ask themselves, if you have kids at home still, you need to ask yourselves, when my child flies from the nest, and it's going to come, some of you are about to experience that, right? You're graduating a senior this year. When my child flies from the nest, what kind of man or woman does God want them to be? Now remember, notice what I said there. I said the man or woman that God wants them to be. I didn't say the man or woman that I want them to be. Because remember, as a mama, they are not yours ultimately, right? You are a steward that God has placed in you, right? That child is a gift that God has placed under your love and under your authority. And so the question is not what do you want them to be? The question is what does God want them to be. So you need to ask that questions, mamas. Begin with the end in mind, right? Run with the end in mind. What do I want my child to be? My, 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 my boy, my girl, what kind of man or woman do I want them to be? What kind of man or woman does God want them to be? And then once they fly from your nest, you need to ask this question because some of you are in this phase of life at this point where your children are not in your home anymore, right? They've grown up. Here's the question you need to ask yourselves. How can I best encourage them to be the kind of man or woman that God wants them to be? You see, the, the relationship changes, doesn't it? Those of you who are in that stage of life, it's a different relationship. You can't tell them what to do anymore, and they jump and do it. right? You can't take away their cell phone. You can't put them in timeout. You can't spank them. You have to influence them through encouragement. You are now the encourager. You're the supporter instead of the authority. And then once your children have children, how many of you guys say amen for grandchildren? Amen? Golly, man. You, you, I get to watch you guys as grandparents, and y'all just do an amazing job. But when, when you get to that stage of life, again, your relationship changes again. Because now you need to ask yourself, how much sugar can I get into this kid and get them all riled up before I give them back to mom and dad, right? <laughs> That's the question that grandparents need to ask themselves. Just kidding. 
you need to ask yourselves, how can I influence my grandbaby to be the man or woman that God wants them to be? Grandparents, you have an amazing opportunity. An amazing opportunity. Your grandchildren probably think that you hung the moon. And they don't think about their mom and daddy at that a lot of the growing up years, right? Right? Once they get up to about school age, all of a sudden they realize mom and dad ain't as cool as I thought they were. But grandmas and grandpas, you are always cool in your kids' minds, okay? So you have an amazing opportunity to influence these little ones to be godly men and women. So whatever season you're running in, you must run with the end in mind. And that's going to help you to determine which direction you're going to run. You see, Paul says in verse 26, look at it here. 1 Corinthians 9, 26, he said, I do not run aimlessly. That means haphazardly, right? I don't just run here and then there and dart back and forth. He says, I have a plan. There should be an aim for your motherhood and for your grandmotherhood. And so you've got to determine what the aim is, what the end is, and then you've got to do everything in your power to see that your child gets there. And of course, realizing it's not a sprint, right? This run, this race that you're running is not a sprint. It's more of a marathon. But let me just remind you, and listen, I'm not in the stage yet where I've learned this, but I've seen it over the years, right? Even marathons come to an end at some point, right? So don't waste any time. You say, I've got 18 to 25 years. Boy, and you get to 18 and 25 years and you look back and you say, where did the time go? Don't waste a second. Run with the end in mind. But secondly, this morning, you need to run to please the Lord. If you're going to run with purpose, mamas, you've got to run to please the Lord. Now, there are so many people that mamas are potentially trying to please. There are teachers to please. There are coaches to please, instructors, college entrance boards to please, right? Other mamas to please, grandparents to please, husbands to please, or, or your, 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 your children's father to please. And of course, man, there are children themselves to please. And listen, kids, children are usually the hardest to please, right? They are quick to let you know when you have fallen short, mama. And you are rushing everywhere, trying to do everything and balance and spin all these plates at once. There's a lot of pressure on you. Man, a ton of pressure. And that doesn't even factor in trying to please yourself. Because you know what? That's usually the last thing on your mind. Because to be a mama is to be selfless. And that's what you are, right? I mean, you're the last on the list. There are so many people that you're trying to please, but my friend's mama, when I was growing up, she had a, a, a plaque over her desk, and I always thought it was hilarious. It said this, it said, I can only please one person per day, today's not your day, and tomorrow ain't looking good either. <laughs> I just love that. I thought that was hilarious. Mom, sometimes we need to take that into account. Right there is one person. Right, let me let you in on just a little secret while you're trying to run around and please everybody, boxing at the air and never hitting anything, here's the secret. There is ultimately only one person that you have to please. And who is that church? 
God the Father, Jesus, right? You say Jesus or God the Father, right? There's only one person that you have to please. You please the Lord. So man, run to please the Lord. Look at verse 25. Paul says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do not receive, uh, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable. You see, you as a mama, you must exercise self-control in putting God's pleasure first, right? God's smile first. Not your husband's. Not your children's, not the Facebook community. God. God must be pleased first. You see, when you stand before God on Judgment Day, none of those people will be standing there with you. It'll be you and it'll be the Lord. So I say to you, mamas, run to please Him. And if you'll do that, if you will run to please him, the Bible says here that you're promised an imperishable wreath. You see, back in the old days, right, in the ancient days, when athletes would compete in an event, the winner would get a wreath placed on their head, right? They would be crowned champion. Today, we put gold medals on those athletes' necks. And so I say to you, mamas, as you run, know that God is waiting at the end longing to put that crown on your head, that medal around your neck. So run to please the Lord. Third, if you're going to run with purpose, you must run after what's most important. Run after what's most important. Now, there are a lot of important things that we want our kids to experience. Seriously, man, one of my kids, if we would let him, he would play every sport, he would be in every club, uh, he would play every instrument, he would take every lesson, he would be the captain of the Tiddlywinks team, if they would let him, right? If there, was a, if there was such a team, right? And so sometimes families, man, you can get caught up in that rat race, totally, running around everywhere in a thousand different directions. I'm not going to ask who feels like that right now. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand anyway. But just ask yourself just briefly, mamas, do you feel like you're running in a rat race? You're basically just passing each other as you go to the next event. Functionally, somebody else is raising your kid. Moms, let me empower you this morning. One of the most important tools one of the most powerful tools that you need to put in your toolbox is this one thing. It's the word no. Let's try it together. All right, on the count of three, let's just practice. Let's say no on three. One, two, three. No! <laughs> right? No. We're not going to do that. But mama, this is so good. I got to do it. All my friends are doing it. If I don't do this, I'll never get into college. Mama, 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 mama. You see, we can't do everything, sweetheart. You see, if you're not careful, if you're not careful, good stuff will crowd out the best stuff. Peripheral stuff will take over the center, and what's most important will get crowded out. Therefore, you must determine what's most important and then be lovingly ruthless. <laughs> Let me say it again lovingly 
ruthless to guard that most important thing. So maybe for you as a mama, it's supper together around the table. It doesn't matter if it's at McDonald's or at the home. You just want to eat a meal together. Maybe you have a goal of four times a week, three times a week, whatever that goal is. And we are going to ruthlessly guard this goal. Maybe it's every night. Praise God. I mean, how much better would our families be, right? If we could eat together one meal a day. Maybe it's Wednesday night church. Maybe it's uh, monthly Friday family movie night. Maybe it's prayer time in the morning as a family. Whatever it is, guard it. You've got to set it apart. You've got to set it high so that it doesn't get bumped, so that it doesn't get crowded out. Paul says here in verse 27, he says, But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. We are really good at seeing what other families should say no to. We're so good at it, man. We look at their schedule and we see what they've got going on and we say, yep, they need to cut that out. They need to do this differently and all this stuff. But so often we are blind to our own families. One of my greatest fears and my wife's greatest fears, and we talk about this a lot, she more than me. I'm so thankful for a wife um, that really does think about the big picture when it comes to our children. One of our biggest fears is that when we get toward that finish line and we look back and they've left home, that we look back and we hear somebody say, they did a lot of stuff, but they neglected the most important stuff. Man, I don't want that to be said about me. I don't want to be disqualified from being a good parent in that way, right? I know you as mothers. You don't want to be disqualified in that regard either. Therefore, run after what's most important. And finally, if you're going to run with purpose, you must run every stage with faith and friends. Run every stage with faith and friends. There's this great meme that's going around that says this. Motherhood. The scariest hood you'll ever go through. <laughs> I love that, right? It's so true. Motherhood is not for the faint of heart. It takes courage. But it's not courage based upon yourself, mama. Now listen, I, hey, I've been around some of y'all. I've seen mama bear come out. You know what I'm saying? Don't mess with mama. Especially with her babies. Y'all could swoop in and whoop anybody. That threatened your child. But listen, real strength, lasting strength, real courage, lasting courage comes from faith in God. I don't care how mama bear you are, God is the one who's almighty. God is the one who's in control. I don't care how helicopter mom you are, there are moments when your children will be out of your sight. And God is the one who watches over them when you're not able to watch over them. Guys, there comes a point when you have to cast your child on the river of life, just like Moses' mama had to do. Right? Remember that in Exodus chapter 2? Pharaoh had made this law that said all the Hebrew boys, throw them in the river, right? Kill them. Do everything you can. Don't let those boys grow up. And so to save Moses from that wicked law, to save his life, his mama made a little floating basket, and she put him in it, 
And she placed him, literally pushed him out into the water and trusted that God would take care of him. And as I read that passage, I mean, I can, listen, as a dad, it's like, he'll be all right. <laughs> but I can just see, I mean, from a mama's heart, could you imagine mamas taking your little, I think he was three months old, taking your little three-month-old baby, putting him in a basket that you hope will float in the river and pushing it out there amongst the reeds. It took great faith, guys. But listen, here's the important part. God was faithful. God was faithful. He even brought, he, he was faithful in ways that she wouldn't even expect, right? He literally brought the Pharaoh's daughter to find little Moses there in that basket. And she didn't just find him, she adopted him. And she didn't just adopt him, she said, I need somebody to take care of this baby. And Moses' sister said, I think I know somebody that can do it. And literally the Pharaoh's daughter gave Moses back to his mother and said, will you take care of this baby until he's weaned? And then he'll return with me to my home. And that's exactly what happened. And eventually, as Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house, he eventually led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Guys, I say to you this morning that to be a mother takes great faith to lovingly push those babies out at the right time and say, God be with you to that child and to say to the Lord, God, I trust you. I trust you. I've poured my life into this child. I have given from my very body for this child, but I trust you, God, because God, I believe that you love this child more than I love this child. God, I believe that you're able to care for this child even better than I'm able to care for this child. It takes great faith. But you don't just need great faith. You also need great friends. You know, as Paul is writing this passage here in 1 Corinthians 9, he didn't go about his ministry alone. right? He didn't try to run it alone. He had Barnabas and he had Timothy and he had a slew of other people. And so I pray for you this morning, mamas, that you would have a group of mothers to run with you. And maybe not just mamas, right? But other women who will run with you, who will love you, support you. You need each other, right? Just like in a race. You can probably look at me and see I ain't done much running, okay? But I, I, I've seen other people run, and they do better in a group, okay? They always do better in a group. And so guys... Ladies, mamas, find you a group, find you a group of friends, and run with them. You need great faith, but you also need great friends. Don't try to run it alone. Run with friends. And mamas, let me say this in closing this morning. The greatest friend that you will ever have is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Listen, you need other human beings, just regular human beings, other mamas to be friends with you and to walk with you and to love you and laugh and to cry and to encourage you and all those things that mamas can do for one another. But the greatest friend that you'll ever have is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so if you're a mama here today who is yet to repent and believe on Jesus, then I pray the day would be the day that the Holy Spirit would call you out 
into faith and that you would trust in Jesus and that you would turn from your sin and love Jesus and place your faith in Jesus. He's the greatest friend that any mama can have. Here's my final prayer this morning. May God bless every step until you receive that imperishable prize as you run that race, mamas. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that He sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live, and He stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that He is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us, and I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.